0: Welcome to Stall Warning, a show talking all things lacrosse. I'm your host, Ponchito Ojeda, and joining with me today is John Murray, the 101 Lacrosse Northern California Director, and we are not joined by our defensive midfield, so it'll be goals on goals on goals today. John, how you doing?
1: Doing good. How was your weekend?
0: It was awesome. It was a home project and kids all weekend long. Yeah, until you, Sunday night. Home,
1: home cooking or ordering out?
0: Home cooking, home cooking all the way, man. I all got the way. uh
1: not support yeah. supporting your local restaurants. Do you know the local restaurants I'm, out there yet? What, what's your favorite? Yeah, I'm
0: well, I'm well taken care of by uh, by my wife. when, when it comes of cooking, and uh, and local restaurants, I don't know. There's a lot of chains out here. We've gone to a few places in Blacksburg in the fall and uh, early. But then COVID hit, and it was like, uh, "There's got to you know. be some
1: college town gems in Blacksburg."
0: Oh, there, there definitely is. But two kids under five—I mean, I don't know—going nah. to a restaurant seems like a bad idea.
1: Sounds like a nightmare.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. Usually it is. Usually <laughs> it is. <laughs> but hey, I'll give a shout out to Blacksburg Tavern. We did go there with the kids. Amazing food, fried chicken that was to die for, and the mashed potatoes. Oh boy, scrumptious. So uh john what'd you do this weekend you uh hit a winery up or something
1: <laughs> we got our, our winery at home marissa's got quite the collection she did a virtual tasting and came home with three bottles which was nice
0: that's a that's a great weekend and uh and she works for frank family wines right
1: yes frank family Vineyards. Mm.
0: yeah might as well give them a little plug right give them a little shout out so Definitely. uh so aside from wine and uh and kids, lots of news dropped this weekend, and no, we're not talking about the last dance, which was incredible. I could spend a whole Amazing. pod talking about that. But uh, big news out of Baltimore yesterday uh, with the hiring of Pete Milliman. But before we even get to that, you know, let's get to this news we've already talked about, which is Michael Sowers and where he ended up. And and John, as much as it it pains me to say that you you picked it, uh, you did pick it. So why Duke? Well,
1: I think uh, you know we talked about the lacrosse fit, which is Michael Sowers is the best player in the country, and he'll fit on whatever team he decides on. And uh, it just, I guess Duke was the lucky, did the said the right things to him and got him down there. Um, and they're gonna be they're gonna be scary again next year.
0: Yeah, I I think Duke's gonna be really good. But you know what? I mean, in all reality, let's let's face it. It's it's unfortunate. I was super excited to see. Michael Sowers with Mac O'Keefe and running that Penn State O and, oh. <laughs> and
1: yeah. I mean, I mean, it's going to be that Tom Brady in a Bucks uniform next year and Michael Sowers in a Duke uniform. It's just going to be weird.
0: Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, it will be. But you know what? It'll be awesome. And look, Duke's going to be the team to beat, right? I mean, how do you give it to anybody but them? They have a, a probably the best offensive uh, group in in the in the league right now. But uh, we'll come back to Sowers. We'll revisit that at kind of the end of the podcast. Um, we really want to talk about Hopkins and, and Milliman and just what's happened there. So, uh, you know, quick gut reaction before we dive into details. You know, 60 seconds on Milliman.
1: Yeah, um, I think this was a great hire. I, I didn't know this was even on the table. I thought with, like, the success he was having at Cornell – because Cornell is one of those, you know, institutions where you, if you build something, like you could be a real contender up there. Like they have academics, um, they have the lacrosse pedigree to really build a f- program down there. But I guess when Johns Hopkins calls, you pick up the phone. Um, so I think this was a great hire for Johns Hopkins. Uh, hopefully, this kind of steadies their recruiting turmoil, and I think it could open up a few things in the transfer portal to have a coach like this um, at the helm now.
0: Yeah. Uh, overall, great on the hire. We'll talk about it at the end. But uh, I, I agree with you. I think it was, a, it was a solid hire. It was a little surprising. I mean, I definitely thought Milliman has a coaching pedigree to do it. He's fought his way all the way to the top. I love uh, there's a story Quinn put out about the underdog and Milliman embraces that. But I mean, the reality is, is like I was surprised it wasn't a Hopkins alum, particularly with Raymond and Marr and Natalyn and Volker and all these guys who are accomplished coaches not getting the opportunity. And, uh, you know, the the administration is going to live or die with this decision, I think. And uh, it's always tough to follow a legend, but if there's a guy that can do it, Milliman kind of fits the bill of that uh, grinder. Um, so let's just talk about Milliman for a little bit. Um, you know, playing career, he's a three-time All-American at Gettysburg, led the Bullets to... Two NCAA D three championship games. Then played four years in the MLL. I think the reason for highlighting that is two things: one, not a D one guy, uh, but number two is is he played for the great uh, Hank uh, Janisek and the Bullets, and you have to think that's impacted his ability to be a coach, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like all good coaches, you know, absorb everything around them and people they've interacted with you know no one just comes out a good coach you know they definitely have to be influenced by people around them
0: yeah i think it's uh you know coach hank's been around forever at Gatesburg and done great things there and so i think for milliman it's uh it was a good kind of starting point for him you know then he kind of bounced around right he spent a year at Siena, a couple of years at rit yeah. then he took over at pfeiffer um You know, interesting part about that, right? Two years at RIT, probably learned some important things about how to play fast. Um, Mm -hmm. And then four years at Pfeiffer, two-time coach of the year in the Conference Carolinas. Uh, And then he jumped back on the D1 ranks, heading up to Princeton in 2013 as a volunteer assistant under Chris Bates. Uh, Interesting note, that was the year Bates uh, was relieved of his duties at Princeton and uh you know, Milliman kind of took over the offensive end of the field when Madelon took over as the interim. Um, and then he heads up to Cornell and he's there for three years before getting an interim tag. Um, let's talk about his teams uh, kind of at Cornell and how they've done over the past little bit. Um, you know, in, in 2017, 2018, he got tagged as the interim head coach. And, you know, what did you think of that decision by Cornell to not hire him but give him that interim? kind
1: of tag yeah i'm never a big fan of like the interim head coaching title um it just feels like the program is kind of like sticking a band-aid on it um but it kind of gives the coach like the freedom to just go for it you know like he's not he's coaching for his job and like really gives him that chance to earn it and he did a great job cornell's kind of been um in a flunk they've they've had some top talent but he seems to have made the most of it in recent years so like he's yeah done a phenomenal job at Cornell the last two years
0: yeah he they were awesome in 2017 2018 they uh they were incredible down the stretch and ended up getting the Ivy League uh, title in in 2018 and winning that first round game uh, and i am blanking on the team that they beat and i had looked this up. yeah they beat Syracuse that's right they beat Q's and then they ended up losing um in the quarters, but a heck of a win. Twenty nineteen a bit more disappointing uh in terms of just not being where they where they thought they were gonna be. But then this year, I mean, they were a top five team and I think a lot of people had them as a chance to win the title. You know? Yeah, so, you did.
1: You were super high on Cornell.
0: Yeah, I mean I loved I loved Cornell. I thought they were incredible uh on the offensive end of the field, and I just felt like uh, Chase Erland uh, had really stepped up in the goal, was, was playing better. And if you look back in 18, they, uh, I'm blank on the goalie's name, but the goalie who was there that year was uh, was solid, and, and their defense was much better than... Christian than Knight. That's right, Christian Knight. He was really good. And I think Erland was kind of heading down that same path, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I just felt like they were ready to make the jump. And I also felt like kind of like T was just going to be... was going to kind of carry the offense. Like, we're we're doing this, you know? Um, but you know, obviously that didn't happen and, and now he's not there anymore. So we we'll could get to see that. Uh, what do you think? Um, you know, let's, let's talk about transfers and then we'll kind of talk about what we think Hopkins looks like in 2021 based off of that. Um, you know, do you think like Jeff Teat, Telesco, Busek, Salvatore, do you think those guys follow? Milliman?
1: Um, it's tough. I mean, I, I didn't see T coming back Um, from what I've heard. It's, it's looking like he's going to try to make a pro career in the indoor game and pro game, because he'll be able to play at a top level at both. Um, But I mean, if he's going to play next year, why wouldn't you play for your head coach? Who I'm sure he's probably has pretty positive relationship with. I mean, he helped him become, one of the top five attackmen in the game and uh Johns Hopkins being a you know that great school um and then good lacrosse again uh so we'll definitely see the um kind of the aftermath of this with Cornell and what they do with their seniors um but it's tough definitely tough losing a coach like this
0: yeah I I tend to agree with you about T. I I think he's gonna end up going pro. I think this makes sense for him. He's probably a top pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. But you never know. Both drafts, um,
1: NLL and PLL.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh but I, I would not be surprised to see guys like guys like Telesco and Busick and Salvatore follow uh follow Milliman to Hopkins, as long as they can get in academically, right? Which is probably a, a good possibility. Yeah. Um, I mean
1: if they can get into Cornell gotta right. gotta hope that makes it
0: a little easier. You would think so. You would think so. So, uh, you know, with that looking ahead, let's talk about Hopkins 2021. So, we know Cole Williams is in the transfer portal. Doesn't mean he has to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, he may come back, uh, but he obviously put his name in there. So, what are our thoughts here? They return Owen Murphy, Garrett Degnan, and Joey Epstein, who are all yeah. underclassmen. Healthy. Uh, healthy yep. Joey
1: Epstein. <clears throat> I think Evan. In, we both agreed Zin. Evan Zinn was definitely one of their breakout stars this year. Um, but someone I I thought um, they were going to get, and it looks a lot more with uh, a coaching hire like this, was Jackson Morrill in the transfer window uh, portal because he's a Baltimore guy. Um, oh, definitely, I could see him playing at Hopkins next year, but I think... With a coach like this, it puts Hopkins back on the map with the transfer portal, um, giving them some stability, um, some name recognition, and hopefully they can grab a few guys uh, because they do have a ton of talent on this roster. They're just missing a few pieces here and there, and if they can figure it out, you know they'll be the same Johns Hopkins.
0: Yeah, I mean the good news is they didn't waste any time, so. They missed twelve days. Uh, obviously, they're behind the eight ball with a lot of uh, these recruits in the transfer portal, but the opportunity to kind of to wow them in these next week or so is still there. Uh, I agree with you. I think Jackson is a, a definite natural fit. I think the goalie Adler is another one that could be a nice fit. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a guy like Holden from Hobart end up down at Hopkins. Um, just kind of makes sense. So. You know, I think Milliman probably targets one or two guys. I'm I'm guessing he's targeting a goalie and uh, maybe one or two offensive types to kind of put around Epstein. And you do that, I mean, they only like I I've, I've said for a while. I think they're only one or two guys away, um, and I stand by that. So I think if Milliman can get, uh, you know, a goalie and or one or two offensive players, I think they're going to be. They're going to be right there, and I, you know it's funny. Everyone be like, oh, you know, Milliman did a great job, and it's not that he didn't do a great job, but you know, I think the talent's there right now. It's just a couple more pieces. Yeah. So
1: it's Johns, it's Johns Hopkins. You know, these guys are all blue chip recruits. The talent's right. there.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, and, and the cool thing about Milliman is it sounds like from what you kind of read about him, he's he's fun to play for. He's got a good uh, pace to his offense. You know, I think guys who like playing on the offensive side of the ball are certainly going to enjoy it. And, you know, what defender doesn't like a coach who wants them to carry over the midline?
1: Pole goals. They're the new thing.
0: They are the new thing. They are popular. Yeah. Flavor uh, of the
1: month, pole goals.
0: <laughs> Let's take a, a different look at this for a second. Um, Obviously, we're excited for Milliman. Uh, before we do this, actually, uh, what's your grade on this hire? A, a to F. Oh. Uh, uh,
1: I do like A, nine, 9 out of 10. Again, this was something I I wasn't expecting. I didn't know this guy was available. You know, you're pulling out the guy who's what, Cornell was top three in the country. What were they ranked at the end of the year? Were they number one? Yeah.
0: Nah, well, I'm not sure. I think they were number, they were up there. I don't know, I can go look. Yeah, so but,
1: for a guy to leave that situation, to go to Johns Hopkins, which, you know, it, it wasn't the same Johns Hopkins at two and four. Um, and yes, they had some injuries. Um but yeah, I really, really great hire for Hopkins, and it hurts Cornell to lose this guy.
0: Yeah, they were they were ranked number two in the latest Maverick Division One media poll, according to Inside Lacrosse. Uh, at five and zero, oh, they had just beaten Penn State, so that was a big, big W. Um, you know, I think uh, I, uh, I think it's an A as well. Here's the thing I like about Milliman. I think he combines all the good things about Petro—that hard work, that kind of blue collar work ethic mm-hmm. that Petro had, that grit. Um, yeah that that grit that fits Hopkins so well. But I think he adds a little flavor on the offensive end um that I think the guys are going to like. And and that's not a shot of Petro. I love the way Petro coaches and the way his teams play and I think they're very talented and he's going to end up somewhere great. But I just think that Milliman's going to you know put a little life into that team because it's just a different a little bit different of a approach to it but it has that similar grit and I think that's all allow him to be successful on the recruiting trail as well, which is going to be huge, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, so I'd also give it an A. So, hey, we both really like it. Good for Hopkins. Uh, moving on, you know, w- where does Cornell go from here? Um, you know, I made a note. I, I don't know if uh, Jordan Stevens or Connor Busick are the ones that take over as head coach. I- nothing against either of those guys. Obviously, they part of a top-five program, but they're both really, really young. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that Cornell will look for someone uh, a little bit more seasons to take over. So assuming those two guys don't get the job, uh, who are some guys that you like to potentially take that spot? Uh,
1: so one guy we thought of this, and this is, you know, it's kind of a similar coaching carousel where, where we had um, for the Johns Hawkins job, but uh, coach Marr at Albany, staying in upstate New York, I thought would be, you know, a good fit for Cornell, you know, kind of a guy who can push the offensive tempo. Um, and he'd have that top that Ivy League talent to work with. Um, coming from a school like Albany, it would be a different type of player. He'd be able to, I think, get and work with, um, which would be interesting.
0: Yeah, I, I like Mar a lot. I mean, he's he's awesome. I I have to say, I don't think he leaves Albany. I think he if he if he was to him.
1: leave, it was going to be Hopkins.
0: Yeah, I mean, I still see him leaving to go to the Big Red. I mean, nothing against Cornell, but it just doesn't seem like that's like the place for him. you know. Um, but you never know. I mean, his top five program and his approach to coaching is would fit well with the group that's there now. Um, so I, I, I kind of think there's a couple other options. I, I, I think Brendan Jehovah is someone who's got to be in the mix of head coaching conversation. We've mentioned him before. We've mentioned Wellner at Notre Dame. Um, I know Cassis has come up before at Lehigh. And, you know, two other guys that I think are interesting, although I don't think either of these are going to get the job, is going to be Ben DeLuca, who, you know, was a Cornell player and coach for 18 years. And and or Dave Petromala, right? Petro coach there from 98 to 2000. Yeah, it would be interesting if
1: they did a coach swap.
0: It would be. I, I don't. So I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to end up being someone else, and I'm not even sure it's going to be an assistant. You know, um, but is what there about, someone you like? Besides yeah, Mark? I was going to
1: ask. What about some guy who you know, like Milliman type, or you know, we didn't even think he was looking for a new job, and then gets it. Like, are there any coaches like? Um, I guess teams like U Penn, who's been uh, super competitive uh like your Lehigh Villanova type guys who might be on the move that we don't even know what's like a dark horse for you uh,
0: I mean I could see I could see a situation where like Mike Pressler from Bryant gets a job mm-hmm. I mean I think the Duke stuff's far enough behind him that I that hope so. could be considered now yeah. yeah I mean but he hasn't come up in any other Coaching searches. I, I I think my dark horse is Kevin Cassis. I I, I like him a lot. Um, yeah. and I know you you mentioned Chamadi in the in the in the Hopkins stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. I mean, he's also somebody. I mean, he he could definitely take over anywhere. So yeah, I think he's got Yeah,
1: he's definitely a, a top candidate. You know, news broke that Hopkins reached out to him first and he declined it, but he's going to get a lot of phone calls in the future.
0: Yeah. I think the darkest horse I have that I think could really get the job. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a hot commodity last year, but he just, he stayed home was uh, Sean Carwin from UVA. I don't know that he wants to be a head coach. Um, I'm not sure what he wants to do, but he's, he's led some of the best offenses in the country. He's incredibly talented as a coach. And the reason why I think he's a potential dark horse who could take over is that he's coached and played at uh, a NESCAC school in Tufts and presents all the things that the challenges that Ivies face, right? Like yeah. academics and all that type of stuff. So I feel like he could fit really well and like just plug and play. Yeah, and I also f-
1: feel like that uh, a lot of coaches have come out of that like high-end D3 schools and made the jump to D1 and have been super successful.
0: Yeah. Well, my, my picks are gonna be I, I think Cornell is gonna pick an assistant and take a chance with like a Brundage, a Wellner, or a uh, a Kerwin. Um but you know, I, I like I said before, any head coach could be a mix. Yeah. I mean, Cornell finished two in the country last year, right? Like, yeah. And I think they're who, coming into a good,
1: Yeah, they're coming into a good situation too. I don't feel like I mean obviously Teet's gonna be a big loss, but uh I think they have the right guys in place to at least compete next year it's not going to be like a complete restart for them they're going to right. be a top 20 team next year for sure
0: right exactly so um uh, moving on to uh the sours discussion and one of the things we talked about was kotler and moral from yale had entered the transfer portal we obviously already talked about jackson moral and our thoughts on him ending up at hopkins potentially we think the Millman hire makes that even more possible uh, any thoughts on Kotler and where he ends up
1: uh, I, don't, I don't know too much about him uh, but it'd be in that line of teams looking for a proven midfielder who can play on championship weekend and produce on championship weekend uh, you know who, let's see
0: yeah so Kotler's a, a, Long, a Long Island guy um, I think to your point about um, Morrill coming home because he's a Baltimore guy, it wouldn't surprise me to see Kotler go to a place like Stony Brook and play for Gagliardi up there. Or um, I'm sorry, that might not be the right name. The former Towson assistant who's up there and did well in his first year at Stony Brook. You know, Kotler could be in there and kind of give them a infusion of leadership and help build that culture. So I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up at a place like that. Um, you know, otherwise, I think. Who knows? I think any any schools on the market, just someplace with good education. Then at that point, yeah. uh, So so Sowers and the impact he's going to have on Duke. So you know Sowers is huge transfer. You know Duke's graduating uh, a number of key players. You know we don't know what's going to happen with these guys, but kind of a couple of key names: JT giles Harris on defense, uh, you got Quigley at the midfield, uh, Carpenter attack. Manana attack, Riley Walsh attack, all all players who are pretty solid um, and definitely affected the team. And then Joe Robertson was a junior who was out with injury last year. um, Should be back. You know, what does Sowers do to this team in terms of offense?
1: He – Duke finally gets that that guy. Um, I think they've been missing since Gutterding left. Um, and I feel like lacrosse is coming down to where you need you need your guy when you know the defense is shutting down everything. You need someone to, who could beat their man and draw a slide. And Sowers gives you that against any defender in the country. You know he's going to get a step on this guy. He's going to draw a slide, and you're going to get offense from it. And I feel like that's something Duke's missed since Gutterding left. Um, so that's huge, uh, especially since Dyson Williams is looking like. He's going to be a stud for the next three years, um, and uh, take some pressure off Nikai Montgomery to create from the midfield. Uh, they get the number one recruit in the country. Have you seen Brendan O'Neill's highlight tape recently?
0: No, I, they, I haven't. Maybe. Oh man, they yes. just
1: dropped they dropped one. Um, I think it was last week, and it is he's he's the real deal. I think he he probably could have started at Duke as a senior in high school this year. Um, wow. So he's, he, I think he's, yeah, he's huge. And once he, that kid hits a D1 weight room, um, I think he's going to be a monster. I'm all in on the Brennan O'Neill hype train. Um, yeah. So well, him, Sowers, uh, you know, I don't know if this opens up the transfer portal for guys wanting to go play with Sowers. That could be a real thing. Um, but it definitely puts Duke on the top of contenders for next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing for Duke is going to be two two twofold. Is one is how's your defense? Right? Like you know you're gonna score goals, so how's your defense? Are they good enough to hold a team to fourteen? Because if that's the case, you're probably okay. And then number two is, you know, Duke's for so long has been really more reliant on an offensive concept than per se a single guy. Even Gutterding uh was not like the Jordan Wolfs of old, right? He was more of a like yeah, he scored and he did things, but he was just clutch in critical moments. Um, more often than not, he kind of ran with the with the group and ran the system and they all kind of fed off each other. Gutterding just was you know, so brilliant of a player. He was always in the right place at the right time. Yeah, and he that,
1: was one of those guys who you know, you didn't hear much and then you look up at the end of the game and he had four and three.
0: Right, you know. right. Yeah, and, and always the, the four were all in critical times. So, you know, like, oh, Luke's tied or down one. They need one. Oh. Gutterding scored again. Um, yeah, an impressive player, but you know, with Sowers, obviously that changes. And and one of the things that's interesting is Sowers did do a good job at at Princeton of playing within the system, right, and letting other guys be be players. But still, it's hard to, to change things when you. Have a I tight feel like it's away.
1: that it's that Jordan Doc from from last night where he's uh, uh, Collins. Coach Collins was putting the ball in Jordan's hands, and uh, Phil Jackson was taking the ball out. And this could be that second act for Michael Sowers at Duke, where he has some teammates uh, do a lot, pick up a lot of the slack, and maybe win a championship.
0: Right. Yeah, you can't can't ride the the the, the pony too hard, right? It's too hard to do that. It's makes it too difficult for them to be successful. Um. Yeah. So I think so. I think I think it's gonna be awesome. I think Duke's a national championship favorite. I would have to say, you know, they're instantaneously in my top five, and probably would be a top team I'd yeah, be surprised how about, how about the you ACC
1: know? next year with Duke North Carolina UVA Syracuse
0: and, and that's Notre Dame crazy.
1: yeah it's gonna be crazy
0: yeah yeah it's uh ACC is really good really really good so final question before we wrap this thing up uh do you think that Michael Sowers can score 98 points to tie Lyle Thompson for the record
1: 98. Uh, the way Duke seems to play 20 plus games a year, he Yeah, I'd say that's definitely within reach.
0: I think that's going to be the most interesting storyline. Going to a place like Duke, where he doesn't have to score 10 a game, he could end up short of the record, but with a championship trophy, which I think is like a factual embodiment of what every great competitor wants. Right? Like it's not about the individual accolade; it's about the team. Um, so, but I am still bummed that he's not going to wear Tiger Orange. But regardless, I think it'll be awesome. I agree. I think he's going to break the record. I think next year we're in for a historic 2021 with Michael Sowers at Duke. And I think we're in for a competitive one. I think it's going to raise the bar for all the ACC teams, and they're just all going to play that much better. Um, I'm excited to see how Notre Dame was in year two without Jerry Byrne. Uh, I think they'll be better as a team because they're more to their new coach. And, uh, and you know, I just think it's gonna be awesome. So I'm I'm excited for 2021 with those guys. Should be good. So
1: yeah, we need some lacrosse now.
0: We do, we do. When's fall ball start? Is it start next week or something? <laughs> I wish. Uh, don't we all? Don't we all? So well well, John, good good talking to you today. Uh always good talk, NCLA Division One Lacrosse. Uh thank you everyone for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, rate and review us. Apparently, that's important on Apple Podcasts. Yeah,
1: go easy on us. So
0: I think we have two five star ratings right now, but I'm I'm thinking that's probably you and me rating ourselves.
1: <laughs> uh, a little biased, slightly biased on it.
0: Yeah, so just slightly. But uh, yeah, give us a rating and review on the po- on on the podcast through Apple Podcasts. Uh, tell your friends about us. And uh, until next time. Uh, you have been listening to stall warning have a great day